Cheer him up. Always wash your berries before you eat them. And fly, fly toward, toward the sun. Welcome to Splat Attack, a 90s podcast overflowing to the slime-filled past. I'm your carrier pigeon trainer, Brett. And I'm your sea turtle saver, Alex. And Brett. Yes. What are we doing back in Hillwood today? Well, we missed hanging out with Arnold and his friends so much that we decided to take a trip by bus back to Hillwood. Uh, this time to meet some very special animals that we somehow overlooked during our Nick Pets episode. Now, who would those be? We'll be paying a visit to the aquarium and the burned building over on 88th Street to say hi to Pigeon Man in this animal themed episode battle which is most unusual since both of these episodes are quite sentimental uh, among the Hey Arnold community. But we're giving it a shot to see which episode sinks or flies to victory today. Now, you weren't feeling up to a pickup game of baseball? I know you were mentioning the how the vacant lot was recently cleared up for opening season. Yeah, I, I was at first, but honestly, after visiting the pet shop for our previous favorite Nick Pets episode, I wanted the feels to last just a little bit longer. So that's why we're here today. I've also got a box of tissues here with me because there's a high chance I'll be crying while defending my episode. Uh, yes, yes, this is gonna be a, a kind of a quiet storm of an episode battle today where we're talking about two very melancholic episodes. But I'm excited to see how they fare against each other because they're very, very vivid in my mind and I'm sure they're you know, among the greatest um, or top picks of many Harold fans out there who are listening. Well, before we deep dive with these season one Hey Arnold episodes for our episode battle, who is our guest judge? Well, he's a guy who grew up in the 90s just like we did. He loves Hey Arnold just as much as I do and has his own podcast where he interviews tons of industry professionals from creators, executive producers, and even voice actors to talk about his childhood. From Ed, Ed, and Eddie, Courage and Cowardly Dog, Please give a warm welcome to the caretaker of carrier pigeons, the saver of sea life, the stealer of confiscated skateboards, Julian Hester from What's In My Head podcast. Welcome to the Slime Tank, Julian. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. That might be the greatest introduction I have ever had. I need to get that <laughs> typed out so I can hang it up on my wall right here. Please do. That was fantastic. We'll, we'll make you. a we'll make a reel of it and tag you in it just so that way you will keep it as for yours always. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Oh, we're happy to have you here, man. Uh, I, I knew after listening to your Hey Arnold episode uh, over on Ready to Red Show and also your interview with Craig Bartler that I knew we needed to have you here on Splat Attack because you, you definitely fit the same level of expertise. And uh, I, I just really like the, the deepness of the conversations you have with your guests and how you really get to know them better beyond their roles uh, at, you know, Cartoon Network, Nickelodeon, wherever they're working. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. That one was very special because I opened up quite a bit, especially with Craig. Um, and 
him not just ending the Zoom call when it got extremely personal, I really appreciate it. But like I said, this show helped raise me. It gave me that moral compass that I think every person should use. I learned so much just because of Arnold. So yeah. happy to be here. Yeah, I agree with that. And also, Doug, those are like the tag team of uh, morality uh, for mm-hmm. many 90s kids. If I may ask, what got you into podcasting? I'll give you the abridged version. Uh, so 2020 was an interesting year. I, my day job, I work in the uh, kitchen, the restaurant industry, I'm a chef. So we all got sent home with COVID and uh, I needed something to do. I started a little food channel where I was teaching everybody what I learned since 12, Vanilla Gorilla Kitchen. And then that kind of dovetailed into wanting to talk to folks that kind of helped shape my, my, uh, my childhood. And it started with Ninja Turtles and then it kind of ran out of Ninja Turtle people to talk to. And it was like, I like animation. I like comic books. I like all this stuff. So it was kind of like a catch-all. And then I just wanted to understand these people that helped curate my childhood, that created my childhood, that taught me how to be a good person before I knew what a good person was. Uh, So in a nutshell, that's what it is, man. It was just me being curious about the cartoons that I grew up as a kid. That's awesome. I love it. Thank you. Since we're on the topic, what's your background with Nickelodeon and cartoons growing up? I'll be real honest. I'm more of a Cartoon Network kid. Uh, mm-hmm. If uh, if I had to choose, uh, no, I don't want any smoke with you guys. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, but you're uh, fine. Not you a know. problem. I like Cartoon Network too. <laughs> uh, but if it would not have been for Arnold, I think Cartoon Network would have been a clean sweep as far as my viewing uh, my viewing needs, my viewing wants. Um, but yeah, it's just I remember you know Alex, you kind of got the a little bit of an in, even though Brett's got the lot in on these two episodes. Uh, Yours was actually the first episode I ever watched of Hey Arnold. I remember seeing that and seeing the cartoons and the clouds that were shaped like turtles. And then it wasn't until I got a little bit older and I saw Pinchin Man. I'm like, oh man, this hits so much deeper, so much deeper than I think people give it credit for. Um, But yeah, Hey Arnold brought me into Nickelodeon. Hey Arnold kept me in Nickelodeon. And then I got to explore every other show because of Arnold. Awesome. What kind of shows did you go beyond after uh, watching a few Harold episodes, if I mind, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, no, 100%. Uh, like, I would flip through and I'd see Rocco, but my mom wouldn't want me watching Rocco because it was very weird and very too, too grown up for me at that time. I loved Invader Zim. Rocket Power is a sleeper cell. I don't think enough people talk about that one. Uh, Cat Dog is always fun. Um, mm-hmm. Cat Cat Scratch, that was a Nickelodeon one or was that a cartoon network? Yeah, it was Nickelodeon mix up. Yeah. I think okay. mid two thousands. Yeah. Yeah, that that was another one that I absolutely loved. I love watching Rugrats, but I didn't really get to see Rugrats until it was kind of in reruns, you know, mm-hmm. when it was right before All Grown Up or the uh when they were in high school type of thing or middle school. Gotcha. Um but yeah, Invader Zim was a really big one as well. And then, you know, like I said, I could just watch Arnold from start to finish the entire series over and over and over without skipping. So yeah, uh, I mean that that's pretty great that you're able to to draw from Arnold so much uh, after mm-hmm. watching it and how it impacts you enough to go to the other Nickelodeon shows. Um, yeah. I, I've actually currently binging all of Hey Arnold with my wife so that I can get a get a reminder of some of the episodes that I really enjoyed so that we can plan our schedule in the future and see what other episodes we can put on there. And I'm finding a lot of a lot of fun ones that are have either like been blocked out of my memory and got re reignited or just ones that I saw differently as a kid, but I see differently now, you know? 
Absolutely. It's weird when it hits you and how it hits you as you get older. You really start to hone in on the things you miss, not just like the dirty jokes you see in some of these shows, but like the messages that were behind everything. And we'll talk about that, I'm sure, once Pigeon Man for sure oh, yeah. comes up. And, of course, the oh, field yeah. trip. Cool. Uh, well, rather than grabbing our weapons for this war like we usually do, I suggest we grab a pillow, some tissues, and hug it out for our soft core episode battle today. <laughs> Let's get to the action after dark. <laughs> Well, before we dive into the categories today for the softcore episode battle, or quiet storm, however you want to phrase it, uh, let's go over some episode info and tell everyone what we're defending. So my episode today, I'm defending Pigeon Man on the sword side, and it is from Season 1, Episode 15B. It was written by Joseph Purdy and directed by Jamie Mitchell and Larry Leakleader, and it aired November 20th, 1996. And with the shield, I am defending Field Trip from season one, episode 2B, or not 2B. Uh, that is the question. That is the question. <laughs> all right. And and you all know how wonderful I am at name pronunciation. So, Brett, you're going to have to assist me here. Uh, but this episode was written by Joe Asbestos. Uh, and so I'll be here. <laughs> and so I'll be here. Okay, yeah. and so yeah. let me hear. Uh, Steve Vixton, Vixstein, Vix, uh, the Shakespeare Stein, and Craig Bart, 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 Bartlett. Yes, I know Bartlett. <laughs> I'm just messing with that one. And uh, it was directed by Debbie Baber and Steve Saki, uh, and it aired on October 9th, 1996. Mm hmm. Yeah, so pretty pretty close in the span of the Arnold timeline, mm -hmm. like about a month and 10 days, it looks like. I was just going to ask, what are our categories? Uh, our, well, Julian should be listing that because he is our judge. Word, word, word. All right. The list of categories, gentlemen, today we have story, main characters, memorable quotes, use of animal theme, and lasting appeal. I guess we will get started while uh, Julian is beginning to take notes and... And I will be starting this episode, uh, this episode battle. Uh, usually Brett starts these, so I'm excited. I get to go first. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to start with story. And for field trip, Arnold and his fellow students ride a city bus to the aquarium on the edge of the town by the docks. Arnold and Gerald comment on how restless the kids on the bus are just before Harold imitates a whale spreading milk on Arnold. Arnold mentions that he never went to the aquarium due to having chicken pox when the group went in the first grade. The other kids on the bus mention all the cool animals worth checking out, from a penguin who eats his own barf to a sea snail who can draw a replica of the Mona Lisa with his mucus tail. Or, or mucus trail, excuse me. Uh, but the most exciting of them all is a mysterious creature named Lockjaw that everyone is eager to see again. And as Arnold enters the aquarium, he is in awe of the sea life surrounding him behind a thick barrier of glass stretching across the ceiling, much like you can see behind me. Uh, while the security guard rattles off a list of mandatory rules and regulations, the kids wander around the exhibits, peering at all the different sea life. 
Arnold asks around for Lockjaw, and others, like Helga, mention he's in an outside exhibit. The kids gather around his retaining wall, hardly containing their excitement. Brainy presses the info button that plays epic music while the kids' jaws drop at the disappointing sight. A large, lethargic sea turtle covered in graffiti. Now, while the kids groan and clamor, Harold lobs a pink ice cream cone at Lockjaw, splattering all over his shell. Defeated, the turtle just shuffles back into the water. Arnold is in shock. He feels for he feels for the harassed turtle and walks down into the basement hall where Lockjaw's tank is located. He walks up to the girl. He walks up to the glass and get tongue tied a lot, and presses his hand against it where Lockjaw is pressing his flipper. They share a, a moment of sadness together. Later that evening, Arnold is dropped off at his boarding house by the city bus. The kids apologize to him for Lockjaw not being as excited as they remember, while Harold hangs out at the window in pride, reiterating his childish score of hitting Lockjaw on the shell with an ice cream. Just then, a girl scout bothers Arnold, asking him if he'd like to buy some chocolate turtles to fund her trip to Scotland. Arnold declines, then trudges inside where he bumps into Grandpa, sporting a turtleneck sweater. He exclaims to Arnold that if he could find his tortoiseshell glasses, he'd look real snazzy. <laughs> Arnold shuffles up to his room, turns on the music and studio lights, and flops onto his flip-out sofa. The somber jazz of Groove Remote fills the air with sadness while Arnold laments his encounter with Lockjaw this morning, seeing images of him in everything he glances at. Grandma enters to cheer Arnold up with a sandwich. Arnold asks how Grandma would feel if she was hypothetically captured and put into a tank. He further explains how Lockjaw is neglected by both the aquarium and the kids who visit him. Grandma keeps mentioning, and he's old, during Arnold's description of Lockjaw, and she immediately hatches a plan to rescue the ancient creature. They suit up in thief clothing, then book it to the aquarium with Grandma driving furiously behind the wheel. Once they arrive at the aquarium, Grandma uses a few maneuvers to enter the public building while Arnold simply walks through. Uh, on the on their way to Lockjaw, they pass the security guard from this from this morning, who is now feeding the penguin cookies, which the animal spits out in defiance. Here, have a cookie! <laughs> oh, you tossed your cookies again! Oh. Grandma and Arnold scrub <laughs> off the graffiti. Arnold notices he's beginning to trust them and their good intentions. Unable to move Lockjaw due to him weighing over 400 pounds, Arnold gets a clever idea to use one of the confiscated skateboards from the field trip and wheel him to their car. On the way, the security guard is taunting a shark, crassly shouting, Come on, Jaws! Bite me! <laughs> he slips in, and we assume he's eaten off screen. <clears throat> uh, with Lockjaw buckled up in the back seat, Grandma floors it to the city harbor where they wheel the ancient turtle off of a private deck, or I'm uh, sorry, off of a private dock, landing him straight into some mud or scum or something thick and nasty sounding. Grandma shouts with glee, Go, you're free! Go live again! Which scares Lockjaw at first, but then he gradually pokes his head out again and swims away. The turtle takes one final look back at Grandma and Arnold, making 
a wan smile as he as at his rescuers he disappears into the sunrise horizon while grandma and arnold congratulate each other on making a great team end of episode bravo <laughs> and also the fact that they were going to make turtle soup now all this exercise gives me a hankering for some turtle soup oh jeez yeah why <laughs> <laughs> Didn't they learn anything from this episode? There was one thing that I, I, I don't know if I noticed it until just recently, um, but watching this episode back and then that music when you were talking about it would kick off when it was very sad, uh, it made me think of those SPCA commercials with Sarah McLachlan when it was yeah. like really sad. So I wonder if that was an influence for this episode. It, it could be if it came out around the same time like oh shoot now it's hitting me like the sad <laughs> like abandoned dog commercials and it's playing that yeah. angel song and it's just like oh oh god why do i have to see this on tv <laughs> yeah i know what you mean the deep feels here nothing nothing makes you more sad when you wake up from a nap in the i don't know 11 12 o'clock at night and you see these just horrible dogs just horrible music is making you feel bad and you're a little kid and you can't donate any money it's just yeah what do you do with man, yourself what a rough time you know yeah go back to sleep if you can <laughs> yeah sleep it all away well for my <laughs> on a lighter note let's go to the pitch man episode and talk about what happens there Pigeon Man begins with Arnold teaching three carrier pigeons to follow his hand on the rooftop of his boarding house. He finds each of his birds, Lester, Fester, and Chester, shortly after. Arnold notices, after folding his letter, that Chester isn't eating his food. He assumes he isn't hungry. Chester struggles to take flight after diving off the roof, but flies away shortly after. Sometime later, Arnold walks out to a stoop where his gang is waiting for him and Gerald to play baseball. Arnold wonders where Gerald is, claiming he should have gotten his carrier pigeon message by now from Chester. Helga berates Arnold for not using a more modern method of communication, such as a telephone. Gerald warns there is something wrong with Chester. All the kids look up to witness the disoriented bird flutter and spin around. Chester falls out of the sky, and Arnold dives to catch him with his baseball mitts. A safe landing. Whew. Zig congratulates him on the save. Phoebe mentions Chester is looking ill. Sid suggests he visits the Pigeon Man to get him back to health. Suddenly, everyone gasps, <gasps> claiming the character is nuts. Sid sets up Gerald's urban legend about the mysterious man. In the Great Fire of 69, pigeons began congregating on the charred rooftop of the 88th Street building in the Pet Shop District. Sources claim it's due to the Pigeon Man showing up. Who is this avian aficionado who may be half man, half bird? An alien sent to Earth donning a beak and tail? A man who loves to eat twigs and worms? Or simply a deranged fellow who likes to wear a chicken suit? All he knows is Pigeon Man is one crazy, psychopathic freak of nature. Arnold is willing to take a chance and visit the Pigeon Man, despite the others telling him it's not worth the risk. We fade to the fabled burn building on 88th Street, where Arnold climbs a disheveled, winding staircase flooded with pigeons and light. He emerges on the rooftop to see a man dressed in a pilot's outfit standing on the ledge. The Pigeon Man coos upon being handed Chester. Arnold asks him if he'll take care of his beloved bird. Pigeon Man pets the bird, 
turns around and orders to Arnold, come back tomorrow. Arnold makes his way back to the stairwell, waving goodbye. The next day, the gang gathers around Arnold's stoop at the boarding house to hear all about Arnold's encounter with the Birdman. Sid, Harold, and Stinky ask about him, and Arnold mentions he's an okay guy. Gerald is concerned, while Helga mocks Pigeon Man. Arnold reassures the gang that he'll be okay when he returns to the building. In the next scene, we see Arnold reunite with Pigeon Man to retrieve Chester. Good as new. Pigeon Man hands over the heel bird, claiming, Time, patience, and the right berries. He hands Arnold some of the berries he used to cure the pigeon. Arnold asks him how he learned to talk with the pigeons, to which Pigeon Man replies, He trusts him. He trusts them, so they trust me. Arnold asks Pigeon Man if he ever gets lonely on the rooftop, but Pigeon Man denies he doesn't feel lonely as long as he has his pigeon friends around. He feels deep resentment towards the people who abandoned him the more he became obsessed with birds in elementary school. Arnold reminds him of how it's not so bad luck on the, not so bad back on the street, so he offers to take him out to lunch at a local pizza joint. While, re while the two enjoy a delightful pie together, Harold, Stinky, and another kid discuss raiding Pigeon Man's home to mess it up as a prank. Stinky doubts Harold's plan, but he, he reasserts his dominance to carry it out. The three make their way to the rooftop unattended while they poke, prod, and knock over all the pigeon fixtures. One of them drops a bag of feed and dozens of pigeons end up chasing the bullies away. Arnold and Pigeon Man return to the building on 88th Street to their shock and horror as the rooftop setup is massacred. Arnold offers to help clean up the mess, but Pigeon Man reiterates people aren't worth his time now because of how careless and cruel they can be. Luckily, he learned from Arnold some people are worth trusting. Pigeon Man rolls into a riveting monologue about how it's his time to leave this place, knowing he can find a brighter future elsewhere with the pigeons. Several pigeons grab onto the rings of his trench coat harness while Pigeon Man spreads his wings. The pigeons lift their tall companion into the air while Pigeon Man bids Arnold farewell and hopes he finds another human being as compassionate as he is wherever he ends up next. Pigeon Man leaves with a few final parting words mimicking the imagery shown in the scene. Always wash your berries before you eat them and fly toward the sun. Arnold says goodbye to Pigeon Man from the rooftop and Chester lands softly on Arnold's finger. They share a glance at each other while the camera cuts to the majestic sight of Pigeon Man flying into the amber and green sunset sky. End of the episode. Woo! Mm. What a roller coaster. I'm surprised I didn't cry yet. Oh, it, I'm sure it'll come. <laughs> it, it will. <laughs> this, this episode is so... Oh, this episode is so special. I don't see that... I've, I've said this with Craig mm. when he was on my show. If I don't see this episode, I don't, I don't help a pigeon. I was at my sister's uh, hus uh, future husband's house at that time. Um, and I see a pigeon, and usually when you see a pigeon, they fly away if you get too close to them. Mm -hmm. And this one was acting like unlike any other pigeon I'd ever seen. So I go, Shelly, there's I think that pigeon might be hurt because his wing was kind of dangling and stuff. So she's like, well, go catch him. And then she started laughing because she didn't think a 12-year-old was going to go catch a pigeon. So I walked up to him and I just scooped him up. And I was like, oh, what do I, I, I got this pigeon. I don't know what to do now. I noticed mm -hmm. he had a band on his leg. I called the band, and then... Um, a guy was actually training these pigeons to race, right? They were racing pigeons. So he's wow. like, I've been looking for this bird for weeks. Hold on to it. I'll be over. Wow. Uh, long story short, I give it back to him. He offers to give me a pigeon, and I've always wanted a pigeon because I think they're some of the most fascinating birds out there. 
And my mom looks at me. She's I'll, I'll cut out the cussing here, but she's like, absolutely not. And I'm like, oh, I want a pigeon so bad. Um, I ended up getting a bird. It was a cockatiel named Donacho. Um, but all because of this episode, I helped that bird. I don't see this. I don't help that bird. So this one means a lot to me. That's awesome. It, it, it yeah. really, it really does make you think about the the lives that are also inhabiting this planet not just other humans but Mm -hmm. other animals as well even in the Mm -hmm. wilds and just being willing to extend out an olive branch of kindness to anyone in need uh your story is is very moving and i appreciate you sharing that julian Uh, absolutely it it also reminds me of an instance where i i also saved a bird not necessarily Mm -hmm. a pigeon i couldn't tell what what like species it was it was like a, a brown and gray kind of short bird kind of like a robin Mm -hmm. shaped but uh in 2016 i was cleaning my uh, mom's boyfriend's pool because i lived at his house at the time and i noticed that there was something twitching on the concrete that i could see from like the second story window that was overlooking the pool so i go outside and check it out and it turns out this this bird was just kind of lying on its back next to the pool just kind of just barely flinching and sputtering. I, I think it got like into the pool and then somehow fluttered its way out and then passed out next to the edge. And I've never felt an instance in my entire life where my heart just opened up so much for, for a complete stranger, yeah. even if it was an animal, that I immediately took him in, dried him off. Uh, and after like about an hour of like trying to find how to help resuscitate birds, I was able to get him moving again. And uh, mm-hmm. a day later I, I set him free. Uh, back into the wild after you know essentially giving him life back and it even though it was a very like solitary moment for me because no one else was there to witness it it was uh, a prime example of like what the power of compassion to do when you're you don't feel like judged for reaching out to help someone in need absolutely uh alex i hope you have a story about saving a turtle because if not you're already losing this battle (laughs) (laughs) uh well no Uh, well (laughs) no uh i i've never saved a turtle or a um or a bird i mean i have saved a cat Hey, uh, that works. And, and it it very much was the cat out of the tr- uh, get the cat out of the tree, uh, but I've always had a bond with animals. I don't know why. It's I've been told that we've heard it that animals can sense what a person is like, and uh, <laughs> same same for kids, especially little kids. And little kids and animals have always gravitated towards me. And I was over at my brother in law's house. We were visiting for a while. And we kept hearing this, <laughs> and uh, we noticed that there was a, a pretty big brown cat that was up in a tree. And my brother-in-law would—he—he's allergic to cats, so he couldn't do anything. My wife was afraid to get on the get on the ladder because if she did, she'd fall over because her balance is awful. And uh, so they said, "Alex, can you can you get the cat?" I said, "I'll try." So I got a ladder and I. I couldn't reach the cat from the ladder. I had to climb into the tree and then start to go on onto the branch. And of course, this cat is up on the branch and and scared and was retreating from me a little bit. Of course, getting closer to the end of the branch, so I had to stop and wait. And I I stayed in that tree for about a half hour until it slowly came to me and started to sniff my hand and then started to nudge, nudge my hand and let me pet 
the cat for a while. And then after I can't pick it up because this cat's got, I mean, it's a wild, it's a wild cat. It's got front and back claws. I'm like, Hey, this thing will tear me up if I try to pick this thing up. So I just got it used to me petting it. And then once it got used to me petting it, I grabbed it by the pelt and picked it up. So that way the the arms went straight out and Mm -hmm. then I know it won't, it won't scratch me, but it's still a little panicky because, oh gosh, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? But now that I've got the cat, I was able to get down the ladder and then put the cat down and took off. Did you name the cat or what would you have named it if the cat would have befriended you? Feisty. (laughs) Accurate. (laughs) That actually reminds me of a Harold episode now that I think of it. I think there's one called Stuck in a Tree where, like, it starts out with a cat in the tree and then, like, all uh, a kid goes up to try and save it but gets stuck because they can't get down and then another kid goes up and they get stuck. I think it's, like, Harold, Eugene, Arnold, and maybe one more, and they're just sitting in the tree until, like, sundown until they can find a way out. And it's, it, it's one of those situations where something simple just unfolds into something totally unexpected and hilarious at the same time. Absolutely. And Brett knows this. I've not seen a single episode of Hey Arnold until we started this <laughs> podcast because it came on later in my life and I was getting yeah. out of cartoons by that point. And I've I've heard such wonderful things about this series and I've wanted to check it out. It was just trying to find the time to do it. And now that we're doing this podcast, it gives me an excuse to go check these episodes out. So I had no idea that episode even existed until you mentioned it, Brett. Well, it, it comes in handy because I'm going through the entire series right now, so they're still fresh in my mind. Also, it's basically like Doug, but in the city. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. And better. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we're going to have a debate for that down the road. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I guess we'll move on to our second category, which is main character. Alex? And obviously, uh, the main character for both is Arnold. But I guess what we would really want to boil down to is what Arnold does in both of the episodes. Mm -hmm. And for Field Trip, uh, he's just excited. Uh, At the beginning of the episode, he's looking forward to going on this field trip. And then once he gets there, he's... You, you can see the enthusiasm he has for all these animals and, and he's so well not animals but aquarium the fish the sea life he's very excited to see all these wonderful creatures and then once he sees how lockjaw is treated both by the aquarium and by the visitors especially his own classmates it just it tears him up immediately uh, he hated to see how it was treated with it within the aquarium dirty water graffiti all over and then to see his classmates treating lockjaw the way that he did most kids especially at that age have they don't give a second thought to animals uh, unless it's their pet but if it's a, a public animal or a wild animal most times they don't think twice about it they, there may be some who would be oh that's really sad but that's it uh the equivalent of watching those commercials that we were talking about earlier oh that's really sad click <laughs> and that's that's about it arnold was genuinely hurt by the way this animal was treated and he goes home and everything reminded him and otherwise the, all these things wouldn't have reminded them they would just been oh another turtle thing or just one ear and out the other one 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 ear and out the other football head ear but <laughs> that's uh, a long distance to go that's a long distance <laughs> that's a field goal kick yeah <laughs> but uh, everything was really bothering him, and now he's fantasizing seeing the turtle everywhere in the patterns on the walls and the and the mattress and the clouds in the sky. 
And then when grandma shows up, he just confided in her how upset he was by this. And then it was grandma's idea to, to do this, but uh, to do that, to, to go and, and rescue, but he's, he's not putting up a fight. He was, once he realized what's going on, I mean, he's getting into it and he's really excited that he's doing something and he's making a difference. Now he's not making a difference in a public library or the public uh, zoo. He's not making a difference in somebody else's life. He's just making a difference to a, a sea creature that has been treated poorly. And he had to think outside the box on how to get this 400 pound creature into the car and then back onto the docks. And it was a very smart idea. That's a very durable skateboard uh, to hold a 400 pound sea turtle, but it's a cartoon. We're going to go with it. Uh, but he, it was very smart thinking on his part. And then once it was done, he just had this sense of accomplishment. Uh, that sea turtle would not have gotten free if he hadn't thought about it and confided in his grandma about it and went along with it and found a way to save it. Uh, it this episode, uh, while Arnold has, and I'm not bashing by any means because they're both beautiful episodes, but I think Arnold, in terms of the main story, has more to contribute to saving an individual in this one episode. Uh, he and, and I know Brent will talk about Pigeon Man and, and how Pigeon Man was had, had a restored faith but uh, which is very, very important. But this one, he actually saved, essentially, he gave a, an animal its freedom and somewhat some dignity by the end of it, too. Well, I'll take you a point, Alex. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I want to hit on one thing. It's just uh, between these two, and we would get to the uh, pigeon man in just a second, but, and I'll save what I'm going to say for yours uh, in, in just a second. But I, I like what you hit on. He gave him back his dignity. Um, and then especially with Grandma hitting on that, I didn't know until, until I started getting older, and I'm not that old. I'll be 34 in August. But I, I didn't realize, like, there was such a... I can't think of the right word, but, like, going out and seeing how old people are treated, uh, especially, mm. like, I had my uh, granny. She was probably the closest person, like, the person that loved me the most unconditionally as a kid. Um, and then getting to see her after my grandpa passed away and then her going into a nursing home and just how people treated the elderly, right? It always really stuck with me, really weird. And then seeing this episode and seeing that point hit and hit and hit and hit with grandma like you start to realize like she's not just the crazy grandma the crazy cat lady there's something there and then just the fact that she's kind of arnold's moral compass when it comes to certain things especially with animals be kind to animals be kind to the elderly and it was something very beautiful and i like what you hit on when you said you gave him back his freedom and his dignity because i think that's something that's taken from old folks quite often when they get put into that position yeah they're neglected consistently 100 mm -hmm. yes. percent. yeah i've i've actually lost two um well my grandmother's sisters have both passed away since covid started and uh one of them was kind of living at home in a really bad situation and the other one was in a nursing home and mm -hmm. it's like they don't even treat them like human they just treat them like either yeah. numbers or objects and it, it it just astounds me and enrages me why this country isn't doing better I'll I'll do my best to stay away from the realm of politics with this, but yeah. I just think from an ethical standpoint, why why do we have all these barriers around us that give us a, a free pass to just not care? 
Like, why mm -hmm. are we now in the age of apathy? Because we have more devices than ever, ever to just, you know, accomplish more things with technology. And I feel like that's that's a deeper issue that needs to be touched upon in in the media we consume is how to remember how to be human towards one another again and how to care for animals and trees and the planet and just remember those values that we already came equipped with when we entered this world that we've somehow forgotten along the way mm -hmm. with all the different craziness and chaos just like overstimulating us to the point where we can't think straight and uh, my point goes back to grandma and how she's often seen as like a crazy cat lady or delirious mm -hmm. And there are some moments where she's genuinely delirious, like celebrating holidays a few yeah. cycles or a few months <laughs> after before everyone else, which I, I find hilarious in, in, a, in a charming way. Uh, but it seems charming. like it seems like uh, grandma really just kind of becomes her her own person, like she settles mm -hmm. down and just lasers in on on the the issue or even just the conversations that she has with Arnold because Arnold is is a good guy. He's got a heart of gold, mm -hmm. and he's always willing to either give advice or help out others who are in need, no matter what the situation. And in the few episodes I've seen Grandma and Arnold come together to solve a problem, like also in the mugged episode, for example, where mm -hmm. he had to get his bus pass back, they they have a very special bond, and it's not to be taken for granted just because no one else is there to witness, you know, the special conversations that they share and the wisdom that she imparts on him. Um, and it reminds me a lot of my grandmother, too, because I hold her in high regard and respect, too, for teaching me such life lessons that I feel have contributed to my moral character and sense of virtue mm -hmm. growing up. Um, so it's not to be neglected or disregarded uh, when people get older. But, you know, if, if anything, maybe I'm just reading too much into a, a 90s cartoon, but it's, it's worth giving people a, a closer look to see who they are beyond you know, what their like societal label is. And I'll touch a little bit more upon that when I formally go into my pigeon man category. Absolutely. Beautifully put too. Yeah. Thank you. Well, uh, with that being said, uh, the main character also, as Alex mentioned, is Arnold, but he has a different role in pigeon man uh, because he's not necessarily saving his, his carrier pigeon Chester, who's, who's been mysteriously fallen ill, uh, but rather he seeks out the consult or the help of someone who isn't often regarded as like uh, a contributing member of society. He's a loner, he's an outcast, he's misunderstood. There's an urban legend about him that, that leads to very wild conclusions as to what his true personas or his origins. But I, I really appreciate how Arnold has the level head here and in many other episodes um, where they investigate urban legends deeper. You know, he, he doesn't easily buy into the, the, the exaggerations of the stories that are being mentioned. He just sees Pigeon Man as any other person who just happens to be living in a different place. Kind of like how, you know, Stoop Kid was as well, uh, where he's, he seemed like this ultra bully, but really he was just afraid of leaving his stoop. Uh, but in the case of Pigeon Man, um, you know, Ar Arnold takes his Pigeon Chester to help him because he he believes that he has the expertise to help him since he probably doesn't know any vets personally and lo and behold by by going out on a limb and taking a leap of faith <laughs> he was able to fly if you want to get into you know pigeon metaphors well here. Done. <laughs> and he was able to nurse him back to health and as a result 
started that very special connection of getting to know him better and just realized that Vincent is not, not a crazy bird man. He's not a psychopath. He's just a person who chooses to live his life a little bit differently. And he even had humble beginnings that uh, Arnold had too, as we find out through their conversations around um, you know, pizza, that he also used to go to PS 118. He had Miss Slovak as his teacher, which was Arnold's teacher in the earlier seasons. And it was his obsession with birds that got him onto this path that he is now. And how is that any different than when we are passionate about something that we just want to see, you know, come to life through our dreams? Like even this podcast, we're passionate about 90s Nickelodeon. Who is, who is it for someone else to say that we can't be passionate about that because we have a deep understanding and reverence for what we are giving our attention to. And so uh, it, it, it really pains me to see kind of like that, that loner societal uh, conflict happening when Harold gets into there because obviously he's just being a bully through and through. He's very ignorant. He doesn't know anything about Pigeon Man. He just wants to harass him, just to mess with him at his own expense. And it's, it's very frustrating to watch those scenes because I know it, Harold has gone through a bit of character development since the first season where he's more than just your typical bully. And I appreciate the writers for doing that for him. But in these two episodes, I really despise him as, as like a, a villain character almost with how he mistreats animals and not even taking the time to get to know them or why they're in the situation that they are. And so it's like, it's like a, a balance between two opposite perspectives. You got Arnold who sees the truth, he sees things clearly, and he's kind of on a different level. And then Harold's down here who's just kind of muddled by all the, all the ignorance and the, and the details of the urban legend that drives him to approach it very differently. And it reminds me a lot of the film Edward Scissorhands, which is also a film I hold very deeply in my heart, as much as this episode actually, and how he was treated like an outcast because he lived somewhere far away from where everyone else was. And they drew their own conclusions on him rather than taking the time to get to know him. Kind of like, uh, I think her name is Peg, the main character, Avon Lady from that movie, who mm -hmm. took him in and like gave him a change of clothes and tried to integrate him in society. But ultimately, he had to go back to his place where he knew himself best. Uh, so it's just a very roundabout way of saying, I, I appreciate Arnold taking the time to get to know Pigeon Man here as a person and really trusting him to, to help his pigeon get better because it's what he knows best. And after he does his job, he realizes that he's needed somewhere else because you know there's other birds in the world, other people in the world who may need his services. And just the way he kind of m metaphorically rides off in the sunset couldn't be a more, more beautiful ending. And uh, for, for the Hey Arnold fans who happen to see him in the Jungle movie, we do get to see a follow-up of, yeah. of Vincent at, uh, I think it's the Notre Dame Church in France with all the pigeons flying behind him. So it's, that's a nice bit of a closure to see where he actually ended up uh, years, if not decades later. Do you know why that scene was in there for that movie? Uh, no, I do not. So a lot of people, there's a fan theory that when he was going off into the sunset, he was essentially killing himself. So he was going mm. to clip fall and fall to his death. He was committing suicide. Um, and then Craig never understood, Craig Bartlett, ladies and gentlemen, never understood like why people would think that like, no, he's 
going off into the sunset. His day is done. His storyline is wrapped up. And then he would get uh, he would get so many questions about that, like, "Hey, why is why do I just kill pigeons?" He's like, "He's not dead. He he went to a different place. He's traveling the world with pigeons." And he's like, "No, no, no, no. you killed him. That's how he went off. He went off like Jesus into the sunset. He was killing himself." <laughs> and then so you, I, I think he either brought it up in in my talk or on my on my podcast, or he we talked about it after. But he's like, "That, that scene is literally in there because of." the theory that you know pigeon man killed himself at the end of that episode yeah just to kind of squash those rumors similar to how um that rugrats theory is going around that the entire series is angelica's head and she's like in a mental hospital oh, or something it's so dark I, I i don't understand like some people watch these shows i'm like dude it's <laughs> just like... a show about baby baby perspective bro yeah they're, they're reading the way <laughs> too into it like that's why creepypasta exists and that's also why voice actors and characters from these go shows get pissed off because they're insisting it's true when it's really just a wild conclusion that happened to form on the internet mm -hmm. absolutely man it's just wild and then one thing i wanted to circle back to uh was you comparing arnold and harold um watching this as an adult like i said it hits a lot different um mm -hmm. and this is not my quote but i'm gonna bring in another movie batman and joker right so yeah. We can all be Batman. We can all be Joker. We're, I think it was in the Dark Knight. He says we're one bad day away, essentially, from mm -hmm. being the Joker, right? And that's what I see with Arnold and Harold. Like you definitely do see Harold develop as a character a lot more as the series progresses. You see him essentially not be a softy, but you see a deeper side to him, especially when you know he goes and he tries to um, you know steal from Mister Green, and Mister Green catches him when he's mm -hmm. in the butcher, or when he has that cat that he finds and he yep. takes care of this cat, that kitten. You know, so you see a deeper side of this character as the series progresses, which I think is phenomenal because I, there's something about a bully I think everybody can can relate to. Everybody's been picked on at least once um, in their life. So seeing that, but seeing like seeing why he is the way he is and seeing hurt people hurt people type of thing, I just find it extremely fascinating how they made that comparison or how I took that comparison at, at least. Um, just Arnold being that white knight, that Batman, and then Harold essentially being that Joker. Um, and I liked, like I said, I liked how you you, you uh, highlighted their two differences and their two um, like likenesses, I guess. It's not the right word, but it'll come to me down the road. Sure. Yeah, I mean, you could argue that Harold is the other side of Arnold where he doesn't mm -hmm. look out to help each other. He just looks out to entertain himself. Um, mm -hmm. And he also like just causes more trouble than necessary. But yeah, it, it is nice that there is a progression with his character later on in the series. And it, it just makes you think a little bit more closely about how our perspectives color the people we see in our lives, whether we know them personally or we don't know them at all. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. Well, shall we move on to the next category, gentlemen? We shall. Absolutely. All right. Urban well, legend character. Alex, take it away. Well, for Urban Legend character, for Field Trip is Lockjaw. He is a 400-pound Galapagos turtle, uh, nicknamed the Terror of the Deep. Uh, not much is really known about him uh, other than the postscript. Uh, 118 kids idolized him back when they were in the first grade, uh, which was only two years ago, which I think is... Uh, a really accurate depiction of watching the depleting enthusiasm for kids, especially for anything <laughs> that's new, because there's always something new. So it's new now, and five minutes is no longer new, and it's boring now. It's it's time to move on to the next thing. Terror of the Deep, that sounds so cool. Uh, okay, next. And um, which, 
again, it's it's going to a museum. Whenever you see something new for the first time, it's really cool. You go back, you're gone for a couple of years, you come back and you see it again, and it's old, it's worn down, and it's not as cool anymore. What else is new? Uh, but Arnold uh, never had that opportunity to see uh, Lockjaw whenever because he had the chicken pox. So seeing it for the first time, he wasn't filled with all that excitement. He was, I mean, he was, but whenever he got to see it, again, he was filled with sadness and which led to the the majority of the episode, but Lockjaw at one point was the epitome of cool. Uh, the fact that all these kids were so excited to go to, to go to the zoo or the aquarium to see a sea turtle of all of all things at the aquarium, the sea turtle was the thing they were most excited for at one point and still are for this trip until they saw him. And then it was, nope, don't care anymore. But there for a time, Lockjaw was was the end-all be-all of Hillwood Aquarium. I think he has a pretty cool nickname. It reminds me of like a B-horror 1950s movie that I'd see on Mystery Science Theater <laughs> 3000. Doesn't he kind of look like Godzilla with the backpack on? Yeah. Reminds me of He-Man. I think one of the villains oh. on that was was Lockjaw. Oh, really? Great. Cool. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Uh, nice day, isn't it? He-Man, I should have known. I told you he wasn't too smart. I don't need my hands to take care of the likes of you. Way, way to really break that down because I think what I like and how different but how it's the same you guys are, um, you're bringing in past past experiences kind of. So like you, you were talking about how we see something in a museum and it's not as cool. And it's the same concept. You see this turtle. So everything, like think about Rugrats, everything is so much bigger. A couch mm -hmm. is a mountain. Right or the 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 Mount Everest is Grandpa's chair, and then you see this turtle. We can all relate to that as a little kid. Like it's this massive turtle. You, you all hear every fisherman story. It was seven hundred pounds. It was this <laughs> big, and then you really see that picture, and it's all perspective. It was like this big, maybe seven pounds. You're a liar, fisherman. So I like I said, I, I like that. Like you get this <laughs> this experience where you're like, oh man, I remember this thing being so massive, so scary. It scared me to death and then you see it's like oh uh well he's not moving very fast he's not as big as i thought he was because i got bigger now so mm -hmm. i liked how you brought that into the uh into the story for this one yeah it, it's like how the their perspective shifted as i got older because it be, things became more real and less fantasy like because mm -hmm. i can imagine them filling the gaps with their imaginations as a kid like wow i bet he he probably like crushes branches with his jaw or like he's able to uh, flip over a car with just one swipe of his flipper or something <laughs> ridiculous. Side, side note, <laughs> this just popped into my head, but I actually did have a, a field trip to the aquarium in first grade. When I was living in Connecticut, I went to the Mystic Aquarium, and it, I just remember being like floored by all the great white sharks that I got to see uh, <sighs> with just a little bit of glass between me and them. Sadly, no sea turtles. I don't recall any. Uh, but I, I do remember like on the way back, our bus broke down and we had to sit on the side of the road for like four hours until our parents had to come pick us up. That's miserable. 
There's a fun little Brett memory for you all that you didn't need to know. <laughs> well, no, I, I think that's I think that's what's endearing to hear, you know, especially for guests because I, I get it all the time. Like we like it when you open up, we like it when you share personal stories, mm-hmm. and I'm going to share a personal story too. Um, sure. uh, I had this great idea. I was in the shower of all places, so water stories and water ideas come together, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, I was like, man, I really enjoy a lazy. Ro- I'm a redheaded dude, so I hate the beach in a sense. But I love the beach. I just don't want to get sunburnt, right? It's that's my enemy. Uh, yeah, right. It's my nemesis. But I had this thought: I was like, man, I really like the lazy river. I like just sitting in a little inner tube and just floating down and just hanging out. What if we did that in an aquarium, right? So it's kind of like you're going down into the aquarium, right? So you got a lazy river, and then you've got these dome uh, glass that's keeping you from the thing. But the only thing, so you can keep the fish honest and you can keep the fish afraid of you is the only thing you serve in this place is fish sticks and tater tots just so the fish (laughs) it's morbid i know but you got to make sure the fish know they can't eat you in that lazy river so Mm -hmm. i got to probably table that i want to think about it a little bit more just to get some more people on to invest but that's something i'm working on secretly but not really so. Pitch it to SeaWorld. I'm sure they could uh, put their top engineers to the test. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, r- I'm right down the street from the. I, oh, man. I live in Orlando, Florida. And that is one of the most depressing. I quit going. And it was probably right after. I don't know if you guys remember seeing the documentary Blackfish. Do you guys remember that one? Uh, was it Blackfish? Did it come out it was the one ago? where. Uh, yeah, I think it was one of those documentaries on CNN, probably maybe uh, a decade ago. But it was essentially like what was going on with SeaWorld. And it was right after the trainer got drugged down by her ponytail and drowned by the, um, you probably have to cut the story out too, uh, but drowned at the bottom of the the lake, or not lake, oh excuse gosh. me, but the exhibit. Yeah. And they did this whole documentary about where, you know, how these, these orcas are just, they're pack animals, they keep them in small cages. And then I see this, and I remember going as a kid to SeaWorld because it would be your like your first field trip at like first grade kindergarten. And I remember mm-hmm. seeing all these animals thinking like, oh my God, this is so cool. And then same thing as with Arnold, as you get older and you start reading between the lines and you really start understanding what's going on, it's like, this is really sad because that penguin, I can't feed cookies and make him toss cookies, but he is sad and he is crying because he's the only one there and you see it with the orcas. And it was just so like, I quit going like right after I saw this documentary and really understood what was happening. But it's a, it's a heavy, it's a heavy thing going to an aquarium, especially something like SeaWorld. Yeah. I can imagine. Don't sue me SeaWorld, please. (laughs) No, they don't listen to our podcast. (laughs) Well, you, you, you will, you will not get me at SeaWorld. You you will not get me in an aquarium. Yeah, yeah, you won't do it. I think it's funny the fact that I'm defending this episode uh, because uh, sorry, I really wanted Pigeon Man. <laughs> no, no, that's perfectly fine. I'm I'm defending a sea turtle. I can do that. I am terrified of sharks. Uh, I yeah. I can't I can't do it. I can't do it. Uh, I my my wife and son are taking a vacation to the beach. I did not go because I don't even want to get in the water there. I'm terrified mm-hmm. of it. I can't do it. Was it Jaws? Yeah, uh, I don't know. It it may have been. I don't know. But as far back as I can remember, I've been terrified of sharks. Jaws may have been a catalyst for it. I don't I don't know. Curse you, Steven Spielberg. <laughs> but I mean, even in my thirties. I'm still terrified of them. I'm not scared of many things, but that I'm terrified of. And I went to Disney World with uh, my wife and, and son a few years ago, and we were going to ride the Finding Nemo ride. Okay, mm-hmm. 
I've seen the movie. I, I know this movie in and out. I know Bruce is going to show up. I know it's going to happen. I can handle this. Fine. What I did not know was the ride doesn't go back to where you started. It takes you into an aquarium. And I freaked out. I was not happy. And there was one. And, and I granted the shark was only about that big. And I'm not I'm not exaggerating this one. Or it's not a fisherman it was a story, relatively, huh? It was a relatively small shark. But I it, did, it didn't matter. Didn't care. Uh-uh. Give me out. Give me out. Give me out. Give me out. I can't do aquariums. Forget it. No. Alex, so. don't. Don't you realize you're in an aquarium right now? Yes, I know. <laughs> I know. Think happy I'm thoughts. Ter- Think happy I'm terrified. Thoughts. <laughs> so, uh, my younger brother, uh, we, my, my dad did the dumbest thing, and uh, he rented from Blockbuster, ladies and gentlemen. Google that one. Um, he rented from Blockbuster, <laughs> Child's Play, and Jaws. And oh, gosh. there's about a year. Yeah, there's about a year and a half in between me and my younger brother. What year age were? How old? Under. How old were you? This. Man, I want to say like five, maybe oh, five gosh, or six. Yeah. This is yeah, because he went to prison. Sad story, but he went to prison when I was really young. So maybe, maybe five, maybe six, somewhere around there. I'm very young. It's like way too young to re- like really remember like what was going on. I can sure. remember vividly like him having child's play on and me hiding behind his back. I'm still to this day terrified of doll movies. I don't do horror movies. I don't do doll movies. Mm-hmm. I like slasher films like Nightmare on Elm Street and stuff like that because I think they're really cool and they're really funny, um, especially now they're super campy. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I remember that. And then what was crazy is my younger brother, we're from Florida, right? So we go to the beach all the time. My younger brother sees Jaws, Bruce, eat you know, the first victim, and he completely checks out, right? So for at least two years, he would not sit on the toilet. He would stand up for everything. He would not sit in the bathtub. He would stand for everything. He was convinced that Jaws was going to come through the drain or come through the toilet and get uh-huh, him. Uh-huh, so, me, yeah. me, uh-huh. <laughs> I feel like he got some Jurassic Park memories mixed in there with how the lawyer died with the T-Rex. Well, he loves he loves Jurassic Park. That's what I don't understand. Like, he loved Jurassic Park, but for some reason it was just a sharp scared the hell out of him, man. Uh-huh. Same. Yeah. Same. Yeah. <laughs> Same, dude. Speaking of Jaws, did any of you catch um, the security guard saying, oh, come on, Jaws, bite me, oh, before he fell yeah. in? Did you, did you feel triggered when you saw that scene, Alex, for the first time? No. Okay, no. I <laughs> I'm like, oh, that could be me. Oh. <laughs> the, the fact that the first child killed in Jaws was named Alex, so already... No. <laughs> What Man, there's a lot of parallels can... we're drawing here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, are we on an urban legend character still? We are an urban yeah, legend for character. you. Okay, that was a tangent. Wow. Um, <laughs> getting getting back to the roof where we see Pigeon Man and his many pigeon pals. Um, I mean, I, I already covered this in my the previous category a bit, but I'll just reiterate that. You know, he's an outcast, rumored to be half man, half pigeon by Gerald's urban legends. Uh, in reality, he's just a man who was abandoned by friends, and it hurt him really emotionally, so deeply that he vowed to surround himself with only pigeons after learning more about them during an elementary school project. And I think that's a that's an example of how trust can be betrayed and also rebuilt with someone else. Uh, it's it, it hurts a lot, especially when you're a kid to to not like syncopate with other people who are like into the same stuff as you or maybe they find out a secret about you that they don't like and they kind of push you out of their mm-hmm. their little clique or friend circle so I, I can feel a lot for for pigeon man being that i used to be an outcast i kind of just sort of got along with everyone but really had none of my own 
friend circle in elementary school and how um, you know kind of obsessions is all you can focus on because it's the only thing you know and and feel safe with uh, and you know to an extent he he learns to to spend more time with pigeons he learns to understand them animals I, I'm not saying all animals are like this but at least you know pigeons and I know from personal experience dogs they're they're very simple creatures with simple needs they just want love and companionship and you know just mm -hmm. to function through the day so um, it, it's nice to see that enough pigeons are there with him that they trust him as like their savior is not a not the right word but it's more like not a landlord eater but like some sort of figurehead that they can always look to for for like whatever they need, whatever a pigeon needs from a person yeah. uh, beyond breadcrumbs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you when you see Pigeon Man's whole whole um, operation on the rooftop, as you can tell behind uh, in my background for the video version, for those of you watching on YouTube instead of listening to this on our podcast platforms, uh, he's got all sorts of like bird wire. He's got all sorts of like gymnastic things. He's got swings. He's got like a, a wagon, maybe even a little roller coaster thing, plenty of feed cages. I mean, this, this place is decked out with everything a pigeon could ever need in order to feel like safe, secure, and just have a, a solid home to go to after just flying through Hillwood uh, on your average day. And I, I appreciate the level of care and attention he has uh, for these feathered friends that he has befriended in the episode and I would love to learn more about him or even just see like a, a side episode of like that that whole process unfolding of where he gets to like meet his first pigeon and then start to take care of them and maybe his parents didn't like him taking care of pigeons at home so he had to go do it at the park and then maybe he got into some trouble there which led him to be chased into that old burned building and just kind of set up shop there for an indiscriminate amount of time until he felt the need to go. Uh, I, I find a lot of a lot of um, intrigue in Pigeon Man's mystery that we still don't see beyond the episode, but I find him a very sympathetic, a very compassionate, and just a very real character in the show. Oh, no, I mean, I couldn't say, I couldn't articulate anything better than you just did. I mean, <clears throat> the reason that episode sticks out so much to me is just, he was a real guy, he's a real character. You could see, you could see yourself in every single character that's in Arnold, but Pigeon yeah. Man in particular, you know, you could see your yourself especially like you were saying when you were younger uh you know it, it's hard to to make friends at such a young age especially when you like certain things your friends like certain things and if you don't connect on something it's very hard to start a relationship on no kind of common ground right mm -hmm. so seeing that character and then seeing how arnold interacted with him in particular and then seeing how everybody else saw him and treated him vice just getting to know him and then that's all arnold did he took him out for pizza and explained to him that, hey, man, people aren't as bad as you think. You have this misconception of people. Some people suck, don't get me wrong, but mm -hmm. for the most part, it's like nine out of ten people are generally good people that are just trying to do good things. And it's just that one person, our brains are wired somehow to only think about that one negative thing we be here. Yeah. Nine people could tell you something so good, we're going to focus on that one negative. And like I said, you just hit it on the head, man. It was, he's a real character, and you could really see somebody portraying this so definitely i would take him out to pizza if he was a real person living near me absolutely he'd probably have some really cool stories especially with that cool ass hat he had on man he dressed so cool 
And he got to hang out with pigeons all day. You know what I mean? I, I feel like he also hung out with like Amelia Earhart and Charles Lindbergh by the way he dresses. And maybe Edward Scissorhand twos for being a loner. <laughs> it's a whole party. <laughs> party on the roof. <laughs> well, uh, continuing, we are going to move to the use of animal theme. And for mm -hmm. Field Trip, there are there were plenty of uh, sea creatures that we saw. Of course, Lockjaw being the main one, uh, but I'm not going to talk about him anymore. We've we've talked about him at great length. Uh, but we do see, as Brett had pointed out, uh, the shark. <laughs> uh, but uh, and there was the Jaws reference. Uh, there was the penguin with the cookies that were being tossed, and then he would eat <laughs> and then throw them up and then eat and then throw them up. Uh, can I can I make a super quick tangent while you're on yeah. the topic of the penguin? Um, I don't know if either of you guys have watched the animated TV series The Critic, which was made by Al Jean and Mike Reese no. from Simpsons fame. But there's an episode where uh, Jay Sherman's parents um, take like a trip and they crash land on an island and. Um, there's this <laughs> there's this one penguin character who ends up driving the plane and and the dad Franklin character says wait a minute penguins can't fly and of course the the plane dips right as he says that and um, and then of course they keep having this banter throughout the episode and the penguin's just like wah, 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 wah. like he's had enough of his baloney and won't take any of it because he he's got a hard edge on him so I'd like to think that the penguin uh, in field trip, somehow escaped the aquarium and crash landed a plane on another animated TV series. <laughs> it's it's possible. I mean, Craig Bartlett is married to Matt Groening's uh, sister, I believe. So. It'll be like a six degrees of Kevin Bacon type thing. But we have for, for this episode, we got the shark, we've got the, the, the penguin, we've also got the eels that we see at one point, uh, we've got lockjaw, and there is a lot, a, a lot of turtle puns in this episode mm -hmm. uh, we've got I mean obviously him hallucinating and seeing well not hallucinating uh, he's not on LSD but uh, imagining <laughs> imagining uh, that there's uh, turtle shapes in everything uh, the, the turtle neck sweater the glasses the turtle soup joke at the end the chocolate turtles that the uh, little girl scout was trying to sell and uh, and then of course the, the main theme of it especially since this is about animals was about setting animals free uh, the, living in this caged life is not what animals were intended to be and um, mm -hmm. the fact that an old even majestic because they did treat this thing at, as majestic at one point uh, creature should not be held in captivity and uh, mm -hmm. to see the frustration that grandma has about it in, in alongside of Arnold and then the relief that the that Lockjaw has once it's happened uh, but very very centered on animals on this episode absolutely very beautiful too man couldn't add anything else to that one either <laughs> Um, so for Pigeon Man, the use of the animal theme is a little bit more one note. And I say that because we don't really see pigeons appear, at least as Arnold's pets in other episodes, unless I'm missing one later down the line. But uh, I think they're very effective catalysts for moving the plot along in this episode because we, we, we set up the reason for Arnold to go see this, this character who he wouldn't normally interact with. Um, I, I really appreciate the, the personal touch of training carrier pigeons uh, mm -hmm. to you know, kind of send a message for Arnold to Gerald because that seems like a very 
off the beaten path kind of thing to do when, as Helga mentioned, you can just use a phone or, you know, these days just text to someone. Um, but I guess there's a, there's a little bit to be said about older forms of communication and just respecting where we came from um, that's worth mentioning. Uh, in terms of pigeons, uh, in, in, in relation to the myth, they're used to describe uh, the loner on the top of the, the abandoned building. Uh, when you usually think of pigeons, you think of them as just like sitting on rooftop ledges or trying to find a place to perch themselves and just randomly look around and observe. And, and I find that there are parallels beyond like Pigeon Man's just simple cooing and spending time with pigeons uh, in, the, in the nature of how he carries himself. Uh, he's, he's very observant. He has a lot to look at from below. And I, th I think it gives him a, a more peaceful sense of calm that you wouldn't necessarily get living in the heart of the city like Arnold and his friends live in. So I, I appreciate that contrast in making those connections uh, to pigeons as a metaphor. Uh, plus, he's, he just seems to be like uh, more of a bird-like looking character overall, too, with his design. Um, we, we do know that pigeons are regarded as trustworthy and loyal animals, and there are dozens of them joining Pigeon Man uh, for company at his home, so that just goes to show that he's in good company and he's a very trustworthy mm -hmm. and loyal person by association. Um, that, that scene where the pigeons literally carry him into the sunset, it, it, it reminds me a lot of the scene in Up where all the balloons are like lifting yes. the house off of the ground for the very first time. It's like, wow. Normally you don't think of them as like a single thing where you don't think anything of it because they just fly away and doing their thing. But when put together, you really, you really feel the magnitude of their power to, to elevate something much higher. And I feel that scene really goes hand in hand with the, with the message of just being, just, just transcending all the baloney that goes on uh, in the city and all the, all the blind hatred and cruelty that is often, um, you know, at, at the receiving end of, of public animals that aren't pets, as, as we touched upon lightly before. Uh, so, you know, pigeons here, it, it's a very prominent theme, and it's, I, I like how it's used in several different ways to make unusual connections in terms of how to get a, a deeper understanding of how, how pigeons play into this, how important they are to be treated kindly as creatures just like any other creature. Uh, despite their ubiquitousness in parks or just people not really giving them much attention. And, uh, you know, beyond Arnold having carrier pigeons, it's, it's just nice to see them being cared for and uh, given the spotlight for a change. Really well said. And uh, two things is I'm so glad you got the up reference because that's the first reference when I saw up. I was like, man, this reminds me of Pigeon Man here. And then the yeah. other thing, I think it is extremely personal. Like if I want to talk to somebody, I, I, there's a lot of nuance in text. There's a lot of nuance in conversations. So going to have that heart to heart or going to actually physically talk to somebody, I think is a very personal note that a lot of people could really hit on and probably try to implement in their day to day. Because like I said, it's just so much loss between text or, or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. And we take that for granted too. I constantly mm -hmm. think, you know, many situations, many misunderstandings could be cleared up if you're just able to be there with the person and talk to them. 
you know, tone of voice, body language, just having that eye contact and close proximity, you feel more comfortable. But, you know, with text alone or even worse ghosting, you just don't know what's happening on the other side. And maybe that's just why there's so much anxiety in, injected into our culture now, because a lot is missing in translation for the sake of convenience. Absolutely. So for our last category, we have lasting appeal, which why should we revisit either of these episodes today? Alex, why should we watch Field Trip after almost 30 years since it first aired? So the interesting thing about both of these shows is there is a comparison to ha- I mean, there are several comparisons to be had that we've put between the two, but I think at the heart of both is humans are jerks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> because not only do you have that over in Pigeon Man, which is very, very clearly stated, it's also in Field Trip because man is what put animals in these conditions as well. Uh, aquariums still exist, and there are a lot of different types of uh, zoos and uh, animal exhibits, and not to say that they're inherently bad, but there are some that genuinely care for their animals and want their animals to thrive and give a safe place where they can be happy and live and people will still be able to go see them and be a part of that and and have a nice creative culture together but there's also a lot of really bad ones too that are more about wanting to control the animals just so that way we can draw people in and and that's not right uh i there there should be a level of respect because these creatures were here before we were and uh they are a, 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 a very important part of our ecosystem and if we're trying to control that then we're just hurting ourselves in the process um uh, so the message for this episode is still very very prevalent now uh, just as much as it was when it first came out uh the music uh, i think is timeless uh, from what i've i've only seen a couple of episodes but i mean yes it's it's got a, a slow jazz feel to it and i and and it's also exactly the same to be said for Brett's episode as well uh but both episodes deal with that but i like the fact that the music is is relatively timeless because you can pick up a, a nickelodeon show and you can hear the music and you can often go ah yeah i know what decade that came out just from the music <laughs> alone uh Hey Arnold, I mean, if you were to just take that soundtrack and go play it in like a coffee house, nobody would know that this was from Hey Arnold unless they've watched the show. Uh, so I, it's still something that would and probably could be played today in places like that. But uh, the message is still prevalent. The jokes are still. Uh, Good. I mean, there's nothing about this episode, uh, or either of them really, but nothing about them that really makes it dated mm-hmm. uh, outside of the fact that it's just hand-drawn animation. But the message is still good. The jokes are still good. The story itself, the execution of the characters, uh, not to say that they were killed, but how they uh, the story unfolded. <laughs> it's, it's a great tale that can still hell, hold... <laughs> Hold water today. Ooh. Ending with a pun. (laughs) Yeah, One guy was killed in that episode. Yeah. And no one cared about him. He's like the lawyer from Jurassic Park. We cheered. (laughs) 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 That's going to be a fun reel. What connections are there between the Jurassic Park lawyer and the security officer from Field Trip? (laughs) 
So the lasting appeal of Pigeon Man, I think it could be argued that it's just as timeless as Field Trip, if not a little bit more. I mean, when you, when you think about the deeper messages of the cruelty of mankind and how ignorance further propagates it and perpetuates it in our society, um, you know, I think there's a lot to be said that it, it can go a long way to just take the time to get to know someone and give them a little bit of compassion, a little bit of understanding, and see them for who they are without any preconceived judgments. And you know, it, it, even even when mentioning Edward Scissorhands, there's a lot of parallels to that too of um, the misunderstood loner. I I think that you can watch this in any decade and still it, it could still feel fresh because it doesn't really anchor itself to anything specific of the time back when this came out in 1996. The art style is a little bit on the rougher side, but personally, I find that charming because I mm -hmm. went to film school for anim 2D animation, believe it or not. So I, I really love that aspect of being able to see art that feels like it was drawn by hand versus digital art or 3D art. Uh, but that aside, I, I think oh, I, I think that Pigeon Man really is, serves as a reminder to us that, yeah, there are some people in the world you just really don't want to touch with a 10 mile pole or you know sometimes it's just better to be a loner so that you're not bothered by other people's problems or or small-minded uh, beliefs that might hurt you in some way but if you shut yourself out to everyone then it's it's gonna create a kind of a bubble that just it intensifies that loneliness and it's great that Pigeon Man has the other pigeons to rely on as like, you know, some sort of pet companion. But at the same time, you, you still need that human element involved in your life in some way, shape or form, uh, just to remind yourself of who you are and what your reference point is relative to the world. And it's, it's really great that Arnold serves as the example here uh, to be that kind of light that opens up a, a pinhole into his like, darkened perception of, of mankind on the whole, where he can actually learn to trust people through their kindness, through their understanding, through their willingness to get to know them, rather than just shut everyone else off and be a misanthrope. Um, and I, I, I relate a lot to that too. Um, I may not seem like it because I'm a, I'm a rather animated person on this podcast, but I am, I'm very introverted. I tend to be a loner. I don't have as many friends as I used to. I didn't have that much growing up. Uh, so I, I really see Pigeon Man as, as a part of me uh, because he's that person who sees the beauty in life that maybe not many people take the time to look at. And it's, it's important to be reminded that we do need to take the time to look at those things, to see those people who are in our lives that are good for us and support us with what we do and help make the world even just a little bit better than, than it would be if they were not in your life. Absolutely. So, both both yeah. points very articulated well. Very beautiful. Yeah. Um, I do I do have to add just one final point. <laughs> not not to like mess up my momentum, but I, I think this ending is one of the most beautiful ones, not just in Hey Arnold, but not even just in Nicktoons, but in animation history. Like just the mm -hmm. way it wraps up in a bow and you're just sitting there huddled in front of your little 12-inch TV in your bedroom in 1996, crying like, what am I feeling? What are these emotions? It's so beautiful. I don't know what to do, but I love it. it it's just, it's a really special feeling when you get that from watching any type of media. And uh, for that reason, it's stuck with me all these years since I originally watched it. And it's like a, it's, it's like a mutual 
mutual bittersweet feeling of love, like everything's going to be okay, even though Pigeon Man left. Yeah, it's a constant reminder to be a great person. Exactly, and you don't need to do a lot to be a great person. Just reach out to someone you wouldn't normally reach out to. Well, that was our uh, episode battle. It it was pretty interesting. While there was a tornado going on in the background for both me and Alex, as we mentioned, this was a quiet storm going on. (laughs) But uh, while we while we take shelter on Pigeon Man's roof um, and just feed the birds and hope we don't blow away, we're going to cut to a commercial. So stick around and hope that we're still here. Stay tuned. Hey Arnold, we'll be right back after this. Hey, it's Ryder Strong from Boy Meets World, and today we are filming our main titles. Boy Meets World. All right. Who came up with the idea for the new main titles? Well, me. I don't know what they're saying, but it's totally my idea. It's actually my idea, so just ignore them. This is our newest cast member right here. His name is uh, Herbie the Beetle. For those of you at home who don't know, none of this is real. Come on, our outtakes. See? Check it out. The building only goes back this far. It's the secrets of Hollywood. There is a rumble in Olmec's temple. We have traversed the sacred temple numerous times on this podcast, but we have never pitted two episodes head-to-head before to determine which episode is the best. Well, now we have. Splat Attack crew member Manny, guest judge Justin from Cool Kids Club Podcast, and Legends of the Hidden Temple contestant Kristen Kirkvelit join us as we battle the levitating dog leash of Nostradamus against the jewel-encrusted egg of Catherine the Great. Which episode is better of the two? You will only find out on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash splatattack to get access to this episode and our entire backlog of bonus episodes. You will also have early access, live streams, and more. Also, if you are enjoying this episode, please hit the like button, subscribe, and hit the notification bell. If you are listening on a podcast app, please leave us a review. They always mean the world to us, and it helps others who are looking for that daily dose of nostalgia to find us. As always, thank you all for your support. Now join us in the temple. And now back to Hey Arnold, only on Nick. All right, and we're back. Uh, it, it looks like the weather got a little bit too stormy for us, so we actually went down into the to aquarium to, to seek shelter, but that's okay. We, we hung out with Lockjaw and some of the other animals in the meantime, so it's all good. Uh, Julian, thank you so much for being our judge for all this. Uh, could yes, you tell thank us, you. Could you tell us the final verdict on who wins and also your breakdown of the scores for each category, please? So... This was very studious of me. I usually don't write down anything, and then you guys got me out of my you guys got me out of my comfort zone, and I wrote some stuff down. To be honest, man, one for story, you each get a point. I thought it was very fantastic. It's very hard to beat these stories. I think these two episodes are probably the best, two of the best in this entire series. Um, switching over to main characters, same thing, man. You each get a point. Um, these characters are unbeatable, in my opinion, when it comes to any kind of Nick uh, Nick history. Yeah, urban legend characters. I mean, it's kind of hard. I mean, like I said, uh, you guys kind of both hit on it. Um, Pigeon Man was that omnipotent person, right? He was here, then he was gone. And then Lockjaw was that thing we all saw as a kid um, where something was a lot bigger and a lot scarier when we were smaller until our world was opened up. So you guys both got a point for that one. Use of animal theme. 
same thing. You guys both got a point for that one. Um, I love the imagery that you were using, Alex, with everything was the turtle pun or everything was reminding him of those turtles. I think that's something that we we always not struggle with, but we always see it's like, man, is this giving me a sign? Is this try is this universe trying to tell me to do something? So I really enjoyed that. Um, and then just the the lasting appeal. These things hold up. We're on a podcast. We're in different states talking about this almost thirty years later. Uh, that's lasting appeal to me. Hang on, it's not going anywhere, especially these two episodes. You both get a point. All right, man, drum roll. Man, you guys tied on this one. I could not, in good graces, give anybody the nod here because if I had to, it'd be Pigeon Man. Uh, but the fact that you guys both argued each episode or debated each episode expertly, um, I thought it was uh, it would be an unjust for the justice, Julian, uh, to rule anybody a winner. Next time I come on, I will for sure have my judge coat and my white hat, or not my white hat, excuse me, my white wig that I bought. <laughs> Amazon just kind of screwed the pooch on this one. <laughs> wow, deadlocked for every category. That's a splat attack first for us. Oh man, I'm a first. That's what I like. Yeah, to hear. we're we're gonna show the Splatech first <laughs> logo on the screen now that I used for super specs because we have a lot of firsts on this podcast. Oh, right on, man. Well, I'm glad I got to be your first. I got to pop the Nickelodeon cherry on Splatech. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that <laughs> yes, one. Yes, you did. Yeah, yeah. This is a tie through and through. Uh, it's it's great because yeah, I agree. Both of these episodes are are prime. Hey Arnold, and they were just right out of the gate in season one too. Out of the five seasons they mm -hmm. did. And it's, it's a true testament to how well they've aged because of the themes they touch upon, the animations, uh, how the characters interact. It's, you can watch this in like 100 years from now, and even if people have no idea what Harold is or even what animation is, then who knows, maybe we'll all be aliens on another planet. They can still appreciate <laughs> what's going on in these episodes. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, well, uh, we're gonna go into our ratings for the episode, both episodes. And mm -hmm. Julian, since you were our guest, why don't you start us off? What are your thoughts on these two episodes and what is your rating for them on the Splat Attack scale? Oh man, they're both splat exceptional. Make sure I get that one right. Uh, I don't think they, God tier <laughs> says it all right here. I don't yep. think, like you've got some episodes that are really, really deep. You've got some episodes that are really, really good. Like I said, the only one that I can throw up there to three-way tie it would be Arnold's Christmas. I think that one mm. is something on and of himself. If you haven't seen that one yet, Alex, you're going to have to borrow Brett's tissues because I'm telling you right now, from the visualization <laughs> to the colors they yeah. use to the vibe. I have, every, I have seen yeah. that one. Yeah, dude, it it's that, that one is so special. It hits so hard. But like I said, the this episode for me, or these two episodes for sure, God tier. Uh, and like I said, man, you guys did a great job breaking them down. Thank you. Yeah, that's uh, triple S for all you slimesters who are keeping track. Uh, Brett, I'd like you to go next, please. I'll, I'll save mine for last. Ooh, uh -oh. exciting. You Normally I go last. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is no surprise based on how I talked about both of these and how how I felt so strongly about both of these episodes that I literally changed the, the schedule for Julian so that we can talk about this together. <laughs> uh Field trip, it's it's the earliest. I mean, downtown as fruits and Eugene's bike is pretty good too, because I saw Hey Arnold ever since the beginning in '96. But field trip, man, 
that is always living rent free in my head. Even the song Groove Remote, I'm always playing that when I have a down day and I just need to flop on the couch and contemplate my life. It's it's amazing. <laughs> so I'm gonna give field I'm gonna give field trip a splat exceptional triple S as well. And then for Pigeon Man, um, man, the the music is amazing with that one too. It's it reminds me a lot of uh, obscure Are You Afraid of the Dark reference alert, by the way, uh, in, the, in the tale of the magician's assistant when Todd's like riding his bike down the Shandu's little uh, like gypsy gypsy cart or whatever it is he lives in. Um, it has very similar like urban jazz, but very chill with the whole keyboards and the flutes and the guitars going on. And I, I love that so much. It, it helps me mellow out no matter how stressed I am. And it just brings a flood of emotions coming back when I think about Pigeon Man, the music, and just everything associated with it. It's a shame that Arnold didn't really do much with uh, his three carrier pigeons after this episode, but I understand why they're in here. Uh, you know, even if they were just like interacting with Abner here and there, I would have enjoyed that. But that's not enough to knock it down because I'm going to give this a splat exceptional triple S as well. You know, Vincent's an amazing character, amazing urban legends, and so many feels are to be had even 30 years later. Can't give it anything less. Beautiful. And for me, I am not looking at this with nostalgia goggles because I don't have any nostalgia goggles. I have <laughs> never seen these two episodes until <laughs> and, until uh, just today. I've got my uh, noggle vision. Here, you can you can have my super specs. They'll they'll help you see nostalgic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll I'll use my 3D noggle vision glasses. Ooh, Whoa! Yeah, was in 3D. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that was awful. I mean, that was yeah. not even scary. Oh, yeah, it was horrible. It was yeah. like, look at the shark, and the and the finger was in 3D coming at you <laughs> in the movie theater. Uh. But uh, this was both of these episodes are all new to me, and that's one of the things I love so much about doing this podcast. Many things I love about doing this podcast, but. This is one of them in particular because I've always wanted to watch the show uh, whenever I got reintroduced to Nickelodeon as an adult. And going through watching both of these episodes, uh, I've not seen a bad episode of Hey Arnold yet. I don't know if if, if there even is, but I've not really heard anyone say there. Uh, I've got one in mind, actually. Okay, well, we'll cross oh, that out there. You're blasphemous. That's the blasphemy. But this episode, uh, and I'm starting with Field Trip, I love the characters. I this is my first time really getting to see Grandma. Uh, we we talked about her a little bit for the Thanksgiving episode, but she was much more prominent in this episode, so I got to see her for the first time, really see her for the first time. Uh, this is also the first time I've really seen Arnold become somber in the few episodes I've seen. And I really... I love this episode. I love the heart of it. Uh, and for uh, Pigeon Man, this is another one of those shows that anytime you're part of a Nickelodeon group, this one gets thrown out everywhere. Uh, Pigeon mm -hmm. Man gets thrown out and uh, Stoop Kid gets thrown out. I, I have seen so many memes of these two. And uh, not to say it's bad, just I've it's I, I recognize it. It's iconic. And everyone wants to talk about this episode. And... I can see why. I mean, it is a very 
another it's another heartfelt episode where you just feel for Pigeon Man and how he just doesn't trust people and we've all been in those kinds of situations and I rate both of these episodes the same as the two of you uh, these are our next two perfect tier shows that are going Woo-hoo! into Mount Olympus. The Splat Attack Pantheon, as we like to call it. Yes, <laughs> our sixth and seventh perfect episodes. Play play the fancy harem music to elevate them. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, if, if everything's all, all honky-dory over here, uh, I think we're going to play a segment of Think Fast to Make the Grade. Time to think fast to make the grade. So for Think Fast to Make the Grade, for those of you who are familiar with it, Slimesters, uh, we're just going to do some trivia that's Harnel-based, and we're going to see who knows a little bit more than the other person. Uh, this is going to be an interesting, interesting dynamic because Julian knows Harnel fairly well, and Alex doesn't. So uh, I'm we'll, screwed on this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, better watch out. Uh, so I'll be reading off the questions and keeping track of the points best I can, and uh have some fun in the meantime. So, question one for one point. What is confiscated by the security guard at the aquarium? And just like raise your hand, say bzz or anything like that uh, to chime in. I'm going to take a sh- I'm horrible at trivia. Skateboard? Really? Yep. Yep. That is a skateboard. You yeah. got it. One point. All right. Question two, without more delay, for one point. What is the name of Arnold's sick carrier pigeon? Oh, Oh, Alex just beat you, Julian. What is it? It was Chester. That is correct for one point. <laughs> one to one. Just edged it out. But luckily, there's a bonus for this one. What are the names of Arnold's other two carrier pigeons? And that's one point per pigeon. Julian. Lester's the other one. Mm-hmm. Do you know the other one, Alex? If, if, well, Julian, do you know the other one? If you don't, I'm going to take a guess. No, I don't. Just because I thought it was funny that there was an Adams family name in here. Fester. You got it. Was it? Fester. Yep. Damn it. I knew it. Chester I knew it Fester. rhymed. I just couldn't remember. Yeah. It's all good. I it's all good. You can still catch up. So question three for two points. Getting a little bit more point value here. What type of turtle is Lockjaw? Uh, Julian. A sea turtle? I don't know if that counts. <laughs> I'll give you like half for that. Alex? It, it was a Galapagos turtle. Oh, yes. it was. Yes. I, I I knew it was Galapagos because it made me think of Filbert from Rocco's Modern Life and that whole Born <laughs> the Spawn episode where he has a party and it's like the Kerplopagos Islands instead. <laughs> Good episode. Uh, moving on. Question number four for two points. What did Pigeon Man use to cure Chester? Uh, Julian. I don't know why I'm buzzing for you. The right amount of berries, or it was the uh, right. Oh, shit, I get the exact wording. I know it was berries, but I was trying to think of the actual term he used for the, the, the 
mine used. Damn. I'll, I'll give it to berries. you. Berries. I'm just going to go with berries. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, the, the full answer is time, patience, and the right berries. But you said berries. That's close enough. Uh, question five for three points. Name three animals we see at the city aquarium. You get one point for each. Alex. so quick. <laughs> uh, sharks, or a shark. Uh, penguin, and of course, Luckjaw, the turtle. That is correct. And we did for... see eels, too. Yes, eels was the fourth one. I wasn't including Lockjaw for this, but you named them all. So, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six. And you're crushing it, Alex. You sure you I didn't just... watch this show? No, I, I just <laughs> watched him today. I haven't had any time. It's fresh in his head. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's there. Okay. Question six. It's okay. Still got a few more. Uh, for three points, who is the teacher Arnold and Pigeon Man have in common? Oh, damn it. You said it earlier, too. I don't know. It's Miss Slovak, the gray-haired one, before Miss, Mr. Simmons shows up. Yeah. Uh, so no one got that one. That's okay. And let's see here. Question seven for four points. Who is the primary antagonist in both episodes, and what do they do in each one to antagonize Lockjaw and Pigeon Man? Julian. It's Harold, and uh, you just want what they do, what he does to each. Yeah, okay. just describe. So, it. okay, Pigeon Man, he, he, they, him and Stinky and the other kid, they go up to the the roof, knock over everything, destroy stuff, open up his bird seed, um, and then uh, he throws a ice cream cone at Lockjaw. Yep, I think that's all he did with Lockjaw. And to further add, he goes, "Yes, I got him." <laughs> <laughs> oh, Harold, Harold, Harold. But yes, you got that right for four points. So we got uh, Julian has eight and a half to Alex's six. So far, so good. Coming from behind. <laughs> okay, question eight for four points. What pair of animals does Elga, Helga refer to Lockjaw as sucking up like vermicelli when Arnold is looking for him? <laughs> oh my gosh. Alex? I, I was defending this episode. I was paying close attention. Uh, yes. That was the eels. That is correct. That is the eels. Pair of eels. Four points for Alex. Okay. And the is tides have turned. See what I did there? Last question. <laughs> aquarium joke. Said it couldn't gonna... be done, but I did it. <laughs> question nine for five points. This is the final question. So hands on your buzzers. Be ready. Oh, I'm buzzing. <laughs> Name the three ways Gerald describes Pigeon Man in his urban legend. I got another for that one. You don't have to have the exact words. Just describe like each of the shots that he describes Pigeon Man in. I might be able to give you two, but I can't give you all three. And I don't even know if I can give you two. I'll try it, though. Okay. Sure. Uh, it's, uh, he might just be a bird... Um, was he a crazy guy? No, all I can think of is he just might be a bird, and I don't even think that's right. I can see it. I can see Gerald talking about it because he was such a great orator, <laughs> but I can't think of the terminology. So, sorry, not close enough. I'd like to give it to you guys now. Um, I have these three. Uh, some say he was hatched from an egg left by aliens. Mm. Some say he survives by eating twigs and words. 
and three, oh, sorry, worms, not words. <laughs> and three, he's a lonely, deranged man in a chicken suit wanting the company of birds. That's what it was. That's what it yep. was. I should have splashed a family guy and Peter Griffin fighting chicken. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Pigeon man versus chicken man. <laughs> oh, man, I'm taking Pigeon man all day. He's squirrely. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay, so the final score is Alex has uh, nine, and Julian has eight and a half. Really close. Ooh, really close. Worthy. I bow, I bow down, too. I bow you, down to Alex. If you, <laughs> even if you just said Pigeon Man was an alien, I could have given you one point to edge you out. <laughs> this close! Welcome back. He was this close! This, this close. Yes. Eh, maybe I'll maybe I'll be generous and give you another half point. Nah, just to tie right. things up. <laughs> nah, I, I don't mind losing. Okay, that was, that was close. I'm just the next time I come back on, I'm absolutely destroying everybody, though. Everybody. Study up. <laughs> we'll have a hair on a trivia night. <laughs> uh, well, I guess it's that time for us to uh, fly off into the sunset and let loose our Galapagos turtles into the ocean. So, for our closing question, what are your favorite urban legend or heartfelt Hey Arnold episodes that you enjoy, and why? Write to us via email at splatattack2021 at gmail.com. DM us on Instagram at splatattackpodcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at splatattackpodcast as well, or just interact with us wherever you find us on social media. We love hearing from fans and some of the stories you have to share with us, too. Thank you, Julian, for joining us today. Yes. It was true, truly a pleasure to get to know you face-to-face -face on our episode. Is there anything you'd like to plug before we go? Uh, no, not really, man. I mean, you guys can check out my podcast if you'd like to. It's What's In My Head podcast. You can find me across all social media platforms at In My Head Pod. And this has been a real honor, man. I really, uh, I really enjoyed it. Once you hit me up and said, hey, I'd like to have you come on, I started going back and listening to your previous catalogs for all these episodes. So it's been fun getting to know you guys through the audio side and then getting to know you guys through the video side today so i had a blast doing this so agreed much. yeah thank yeah. you it, it was fun to also comb through your podcast episodes as well and i'm excited to see what other fun interviews you have to um, share with us absolutely no we got some really cool ones coming down the pike so stay tuned as they like to say in the business <laughs> awesome we will <laughs> All right, Slimesters, tune in next time when we take a bus out of Hillwood and make a pit stop outside of 90s Nick territory once again when we visit our friends Corey, Sean, Eric, Topanga, and the rest in Philly when we learn all about the quirky world they inhabit in our Boy Meets World retrospective. Considering how popular the show is and still is since the 90s, we're excited to go deeper into the details of how the show became a hit success with viewers over the past few decades. Until then, Alex, will you drain the slime tank for us, please? I need to go help Pigeon Man clean up the mess Harold made. Aye, aye, co-captain. Uh, let me finish cleaning the graffiti off of Lockjaw first, then I'll lend you a hand. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. And thank you for being here, too, Julian. I don't normally care for people, but you two have taught me that some people can be trusted. Spot <laughs> you later, turtles and doves. And remember, fly towards the sun. Bye. Reprise the theme song and roll the credits. I reckon it's time for me to go. I'm glad that's over. Now for a peaceful night's sleep. Well, that's it for now. Yeah, we gotta catch a train. Since I'm going home, you can't my arts and crafts project. 
It's a tweezer holder. All right, guys. Let's go fun. How long have we been See you soon. Thanks for watching. Bye-bye. Number nine? You're the best. So are you, Arnold. Always wash your berries before you eat them. And fly, fly toward, toward the, the sun. sun. Goodbye, Pigeon Man. <laughs>